Hello and welcome to My Football Passport with me, James Dodd. It's the podcast that delves deep into the lives of some of Australian football's best and most influential players and coaches. They could be Australians playing overseas or foreign players playing here in Australia. The aim of the podcast is pretty simple. We give you an insight into the lives of some of your favourite coaches and players and we do that by speaking to the people themselves. Here's what's coming up on today's show. It comes like a movie in your hand, you know, like I'm the, the whole preseason, I'm 11 games into the preseason, the, the season, and then you're done your knee. You don't know if you're going to go back playing football. To be honest, when we walk in to, to do the warm-up, the stadium was full already. And, mate, from, from that second, I had on my head said, we're going to win this. Whatever we need to do, we're going to win this, you know. Yep, today's interview is certainly a fun one. From the streets of Brazil to the laneways of Melbourne, my guest details what it was like growing up in a football-obsessed country like Brazil and how his dream move to Europe turned out to be a disaster. We cover the highs of winning an A-League championship to the lows of suffering an ACL injury that kept him out of action for almost a year. He discusses that infamous moment at Wellington Phoenix and he'll tell you the story of how Ange Postacoglu made him cancel his wedding. So without further ado, let's hear more from the man himself. You're listening to My Football Passport with me, James Dodd, and my guest today is the former Melbourne Victory midfielder, it's Guy Finkler. I hope you enjoy. Guy Winkler, thank you so much for joining me live from Caixas do Sur in the south of Brazil. Um, we've got so much to cover today, Guy, and, and you know, especially it's good timing given that Melbourne Victory, as we speak, are, are currently trying to book their spot in the A-League Men's Grand Final. But before we come on to your move to Europe and then, of course, your successful spell here in Australia, I'd love to kick things off with you at the very beginning. And, and that was what it was like for you as a young boy growing up in Brazil establishing your pathway into football yeah look uh i grew up in in the suburb here it's uh we have like some still like very good friends and you know all of them wants to be a soccer player you know it's um i was the youngest on the on that street and i used to go to the school in the morning and play until it gets dark so uh, once we could see the f- the the ball we still playing soccer on the street so that was my my life growing up you know like really young so we used to to play in front of our house until it gets dark to be honest from monday to monday <laughs> yeah i can imagine i was actually fortunate enough in 2014 um to visit brazil and a friend of mine was living there and he took us to a favela that had been pacified and we got the chance to, to play football with some of the, the local kids there and you just got a, a real sense of just how much football played a part in their lives so when i was growing up Guy, i think you and i are quite a similar age the brazilians that we were you know used to seeing on TV with the likes of Ronaldo Nazario and Denilson, Roberto Carlos, these types of players. So as a kid growing up in Brazil, who were your role models and, and which players were you obsessed with and wanted to emulate when you were older? When I started like a professional, you know, not, not the youth, the youth leagues here, um, I, I moved to England, to be honest. And uh, at that time, Kaká and Milan, he was playing unbelievable well you all the Ballon d'Or that time 
and he was like a, a really nice guy on and off the field. Uh, you know, that was that was the guy that, that that I looked, you know, and he used to play at my position also. So there was like a few few things that I really looked at him, you know, you know Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, those two like unbelievable, but different style that the way I play. So I try to find someone that the style that I play, like Kaká uh, was that time. I used to love Zidane also. You know, it's uh, it's two players that you know for me they they used to play like easy football. You know, not not you know the way they play. I, I love it, and the, those those two guys that the I look at at that time. I can see the Kaká resemblance now. You mention it actually, especially as you know. He was a player that didn't necessarily rely on pace or, or skill to, to beat his opponent. It was all about the movement and, and the pass, the weight of pass that Kaka had. So, Guy, is it fair to say that you know the, the common goal or the common dream that was shared by you and all of your friends at that age who you were playing football with, with was that they wanted to become a professional footballer? That was that was the dream. And you know, I guess there's only so many of you that can become professionals and, and you went on to follow that path. But was that something that essentially, you know, was, was so common amongst all the people that you grew up with? At that time, you know, uh, when I was a kid, if you get 10 kids, probably 10 out of them wants to be a soccer player. You know, it's uh, uh, there was one way to get out, uh, to get out, um, you know, from 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 like a poor family or something like that. So there was a big chance to 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 become someone in this big world, and and for me it wasn't different. No, uh, I was trying to to make myself uh, to the world. So uh, football here in Brazil was cheap to play. We couldn't. For example, play tennis or something like that. It's you know, uh, it put a lot of effort and money also. So football, everyone could play here. We could get four, four, four people and start playing for football on the street. So and we have like a big, big background also. Like my dad used to play soccer. My brother used to play soccer. So. When I was two, three years old, I used to follow them in every game they play, training session. So I started when I was five years old. You know, in these days, uh, if people ask me, I said, it's too young. You know, five years old, you don't know nothing. You just follow somebody else. And and I did that at that time. I have no regrets, to be honest. But uh Five years old, you're like a young kid, and you don't know. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just there. I loved that, and I, I loved to to be involved in in the soccer. Just following my dad and my brother, to be honest. Well, you did realize that dream, didn't you? As we were saying, and and Juventud was your your first club. So, when you signed professional terms with them, were you thinking? Well, I've done it now. That's it. You know, I, I've become a professional footballer. I've managed to to do what so many others around me didn't do. Or were you always thinking that that was just part one, and that the ultimate goal was was to move to Europe? Yeah, definitely. It was the the way we could get to to Europe. You know, it's uh at that time also uh, Europe 
wasn't too close as it is today, you know, like to, to get on the plane and go to, to Europe today, you know, it's easy, you know. But at that time, 2006, then I went to, to Wolverhampton, was a massive move, you know. To be honest, I didn't know much about Wolverhampton at that time. I didn't know how big was the club at that time. And and that was my goal from the beginning, you know. When I joined Juventude in the youth, my goal was to move to Europe, you know, from day one, you know. Even though you make professional in Brazil, but my goal was to go to Europe, you know, and probably everyone from that youth team was to, to, to go to Europe, you know. So everyone trying to find a way, someone to help you or even the club or, you know, because was was the dream from everyone. Well, you did manage to secure that move. Um, but I'll, I wonder if Wolverhampton, you know, an area known as the Black Country in, in the Midlands, in, in the heart of the UK and, and you know, the fierce rivals, Wolves with, with West Bromwich Albion, I dare say that wasn't the club that you necessarily envisaged you would be joining, Guy. So bearing in mind, you know, how young you were at the time of this move, how difficult was that going to a country where I'm assuming you also didn't speak any English? Yeah, it was, I think, was the best move I could get, was the most difficult move I could get also. So that was a real, real challenge for me at that time. I couldn't speak one word English, not one. I remember I was in the pre-season in Spain. We spent two weeks over there, and the assistant coach came to me and said, good afternoon. And I look at to the guy next to me and said, he, he goes, say good afternoon to him. You know, that's respect. I said, well, I don't know what he's saying. So that's that's... That's something I think you can understand how challenging it was for me to, to move there. You know, it was everything different. It was my first time in Europe, going by myself, you know, leave everything behind, just just following my, my, my dream. You know, that's, uh, it's nice to see in the CV, you play in Overhampton, but that was a difficult time, you know, like learning from, from, from the scratch, you know, like the language, the culture, the way they play football different level of football also, you know, second division, you know better than me, it's totally different from, from Premier League, you know. Well, this, is, this isn't this is the Wolverhampton Wanderers that people know now, you know, of all these Portuguese and Brazilian players in the Premier League. This is a Wolverhampton Wanderers that were in the Championship and had a lot of British and Irish players in them. So I, I dare say as, as a, a creative number 10, the ball was largely going over your head, wasn't it? <laughs> Just go over my head, yeah. That, 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 that's right. So, And you look at the guys, the big ones are the strikers, you know. So I was I was a bit confused at that time. But uh, even though it was really hard time for me, I, I, I say thank you every time because I learned a lot, you know, like even a little bit English. Uh, the culture and everything and playing such a big club like Overhampton was a real pleasure to me. So looking back on it now, Guy, you, you never actually made a you know a first team appearance for Wolves. So why do you think that was? Were, were you ever told by, you know, the manager was Mick McCarthy at the time, were you ever told 
by him why you just didn't feature? I started I started the press season doing really, really well, you know, like uh, I think I was goals, top goal scorer in the press season for, for them, you know, and the, the championship is about to start. I had a plan to go back to Brazil for one week to set up everything here, but uh, the coach said, no, you cannot go. I'm going to use you in the first game. And then I said, okay, if it's about that, I, I, I'm not going. I, I do. I know I found another way. And then he didn't, he didn't pick me for the first game. So that was, a, that was, that was something like uh, it really, it really got me, you know, like I was really young, you know, like not much experience in professional football. And then from, from, from there, he was like, just talking to me, not using me anymore from, from nowhere. So I kept training, I kept doing myself. But when I get opportunity to, to move to another, to another place that I could play more minutes, I said, I think it's time to go, you know, like uh, I'm really young here. I need to, to be playing games, you know, not, not just training. Well, you did then move on to Muscron in the Belgian Pro League at the time before making, you know, the trip back to Brazil and, and you know without wanting to hit fast forward too too quickly on your, on your career Guy, I'm guessing there was probably a, uh, a slight disappointment amongst that that maybe the European dream hadn't worked out the way that you thought it might but let's fast forward to 2012 because the phone call comes from maybe an agent or, or a representative of yours at the time about Melbourne victory in the A-League in Australia what was your initial reaction when you found out that that was a possibility to move to Australia? Look, I, I, I had a, I had a nearly moved to Australia in 2008. My friend played in Adelaide, uh, Fernando Heck, striker. And he, he's from my, my hometown here. And he was playing back in Brazil, I think it was his last spell. Like he was about to retire. And we played together, but I didn't know where he played, to be honest. And and we were playing, I was doing well, and he came to me and said, you want to go to Australia? I said, Australia? Now I play there, it's really good, you're going to fit like the way you play. I said, okay, bring me something and then we can talk. And he brought me an offer from, from Gold Coast United at that time. 2008 and then I spoke with my missus I said look I've got this let's go or not and she goes yeah let's go I said okay let's go and then I think in two two three weeks time at that time the club just fell apart and that was off the table I said okay and then I kept going and then 2012 he called me again say look Another one from Australia. Would you go? I said, yes, straight away. Because at that time, I did a, a bit of research about the country, you know, and everything. And I said, look, I want to, I really want to go. You know, it's, um, it looks like uh, beautiful to, to live there. And, and then he came this offer from, from, from Victory. And we, you know, discussed a few things about the contract, blah, blah, blah. And then, but, to be honest, from day one, I, I, I really, I really accept, I, I accept the offer. Well, you've already explained how difficult moving to Wolverhampton was as a kid, Guy, and not speaking any English. So I'm guessing your English was slightly better by the time you moved to 
Melbourne. And no disrespect to the people of Wolverhampton, but Melbourne is probably a, a much more vibrant and you know incredible place to live. So what was those first couple of weeks like living in a brand new country like Australia? At the beginning, when we got like something set up, especially the, the phone, you know, the first thing you do it when you get in a country to, to get communication. When my phone rang at that time, I look at the opposite, you know, I couldn't answer, you know, how, how can I speak with someone that I cannot see him, you know, so if the phone rang, me and my missus, we turn on the TV and look at it. TV screen. So uh, I know it's funny, but there was <laughs> there was something I used to do at the beginning. <laughs> I said, "Text me, and I can use my translate here. Give me five minutes, and I reply to you." So uh, this thing was difficult. Find a place to to live in Melbourne is really hard. You know, we used to book something, go there, ten ten people around you trying to get the same place. I said, look, this is crazy. How can you do that? In Brazil, you move to a club, the guy pick you up, show you 10 apartments, and you say, I want the first one. And he goes, okay, that's, that's yours. So I came here. It's a <laughs> facing a challenge to find a place. And I spent a lot of time at the hotel at the time. It was difficult to, for me to find some place, you know. I didn't have a car at the beginning, you know, driving the opposite hand also. So, so that was, that was really challenging, you know, like um, going there, the jet lag also. I start training from day one. I used to training and go home and sleep all day. My missus said, oh, let's go somewhere. I said, no, I need to sleep because tomorrow is going to be a hard training session and I, I need to be ready. So she was really understanding at that time. So I used to live at the hotel. She wouldn't get out by herself. I came back. She stayed there. And then when I was in the training, she kept there. So that was, that was difficult. Like probably first 45 days. That was really challenging for us, like a lifestyle move. Well, you started well and, and you were playing regularly. And I'm sure, you, you know, once you got used to the, the culture and the language and, you know, driving on the other side of the road, you, you were probably enjoying life. Um, but life has a funny habit of, of throwing us curveballs. And yours came in the shape of an ACL injury. Um, first of all, did you know as soon as you did that, as soon as you went down, Keith, did you know that you were in trouble with that injury? Yeah, I did. I did in 2010 in Brazil, uh, one knee, and first of January of 2012, I did the other one in Australia. So, uh, yeah, I felt straight away. You know, like I was beginning of the game, I twisted and I fall fall down, and I put my hand up for the for the medical stuff. And I remember the the referee was really angry to me because he said, look, you are near the sideline. Just get off the pitch. I said, no, I'm going to stay here. And he blamed me after the game. I remember Ainge used to say, look, if a player is on the ground and he knows it's something serious, please don't, don't blame her. And he was really, really backing up myself at that time because he came and said, 
not some good words for me, you know, like because I was wasting time I was probably 10 or 15 minutes into the game. So I'm going to waste time that time. But uh, yeah, so the physio came. He said, oh, try to run. I said, look, mate, nah, not today. I said, I think I've done my knee. And then the medical checked me and said, look, it's very, it's 90% that you've done your knee. So you go back and I do an MRI and check everything. And it comes like a movie in your hand, you know, like I'm the, the whole preseason, I'm 11 games into the preseason, the, the season, and then you've done your knee. You don't know if you're going to go back playing football. That's that's the real point, you know. Like, if you are like a normal person, okay, you're gonna go do the surgery. If you if you can run, okay. But walking, everyone can walk. So that's that's something you know come to your mind. Can I go back playing high level again? You know, it's gonna be good after the surgery. You know, so it's a it's it's tough time. You know. So the club said, look, you want to do the surgery here or back in Brazil? I was, I was really focused on going and coming back, you know, like to do everything here, what I did for the other one, because it was pretty good. And the club said, look, it's up to you. If you want to go back, if you feel better. As, but first of all, go and check the doctor here in Australia. So I went to the doc with the physio and I... I loved him from 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 the first conversation, and I I go home. I said to my mister, I said, "Look, I'm gonna do here the surgery. I think the club is gonna give me everything I need. We have everything here. We just go here. I think it's gonna be you know good time for us to to learn some other things. You know, not just for football. So we decide to to stay there and do the the, the surgery and the in the recovery also so and i was i was really happy with the outcome i can only imagine how how gut-wrenching that must be Guy, when you know you're just settling into a new life and then bang an acl injury puts you out of action for what would be a year um just taking it back slightly you mentioned antipostacoglu there Guy. that was going to be my next question um what were your initial impressions of Ange the coach but also Ange the person as well you know, it's a, it's a different coach, you know. The, what he achieved in his career so far, it's, you know, it's unbelievable, you know, winning in Asia, now in Europe, you know, it's um, it's very it's very nice to see Australian, Australian doing well off the, off the field also. So, yeah, look, when I got there, I had a, I had a little issue and uh, what the agent did my 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 transfer uh, i had a wedding uh, at the end of the year 2012 booked because the season in brazil finished in 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 november here i go back to Ange after just one episode for for that and I said, look, I go to Australia, but then I, I I need to come back to to get married, and for I miss one game, and then I I come back. No, everything everything done, everything settled. So okay, so then we hit before the season start, probably first of 
October, I go to to them and say, when can I book my tickets? And they go, which tickets? I say, my tickets to go back to Brazil. But why? I said, look, I have, I've got a wedding booked for, for first week of December. And they go, which wedding? So they, they hide, like to be like very, very short. They, they hide the, the info, like to get the deal done. And in my mind was everything done by them. And I will be go back. And then I went to speak with Angie probably 10 times at that time. I used to write a letter at home, me and my missy, what I, what I should speak, you know, because my English at that time was, you know, I could communicate, but not, not the way you want to. So we used to write a letters. I used to, to, to go and talk to him. And he, he was really like, nah, you're not going, you stay here. And that's it, you know. I didn't know, you know, if I was there, I don't know if I would sign you. And to be honest, I was really upset at that time, but I understand him, you know, he, he is coach of the, the team. He wants to have all the players possible to be select. And I end up not going to my wedding, so I need to change dates. So, <laughs> so I changed for the next year, the end of the, the season in 2013. But, uh, we, we got married at the end. The big question is, did Ange get invited to the wedding? <laughs> uh, it was good if you could come. Uh, so he, he was very, very serious guy um, on, on, on the field. And he had a plan in, in his head and he would stick with his plan until he, he dies, to be honest. We used to play a different style of football at that time. It didn't. It didn't work pretty well, to be honest. We didn't. We didn't have like a a good start that season. Have some big troubles, like some smashes also. But uh, we knew he was a, he was a good coach. You know, like you can see now, he the way he training was. He he used to get everything out from the players. You know, he used to get a hundred percent of every single player on the field. And I think that's why he's really su successful, you know, because if you don't get everything from every play player, you're not going to have like a good team, even though we, we have some good players, but if they don't deliver, that's not, that's not the, the result you want. So if we go into your second season then, Guy, and that's when you, you know, after this horrible long injury layoff, you start to return and, and you get a few minutes under your belt as you're returning from this injury and then Ange leaves he's replaced by Kevin Muscat so all in all you know you've got a change of coach you're returning from a serious injury and at the same time this is what is technically going to be your last season at the club because you signed a two-year contract so where was your mind at at this point Guy did you always you know was the aim always to, to try and secure another contract at Melbourne or did you have offers from elsewhere or were you considering leaving Australia altogether? What were you thinking at this time? When I got injury, there was, there was that difficult time that I that got through it. I remember first game, Angie's still there and he put me on like for five minutes against Melbourne City, the first game of the season. 
And now I was the only player to play every single game at that season. Only playing the club at that time. So Kevin came, you know, I was coming on. And like I always said in my every single interview I did, you know, like I came here to help the team. And if I play five minutes, I'll do my best. If I play 90, I do my best also. So that was my mentality, you know, like I had, uh, I had one year left in my contract. I need to give everything, you know, like wasn't a, a, a excuse because you have one year contract because sometimes you sign just one year. But, uh, you know, first season I play a couple of games, got injury. So now I need to show that why I'm here. So I put a lot of pressure on me to come back from, from, from injury and try to, to play in a high level again. So, so I work really hard in the off season, like off the field, mentally. So I, I try to, to prepare myself when I come back to, to, to deliver. So, yeah, my first thing was to stay, you know, like I had a couple of offers from, from Asia in some crazy countries that um, wasn't, wasn't my plan, to be honest, to go like better money. But uh, like I said, the way you live in, in Melbourne, Australia, it's... Uh, it's different level, you know, like uh, it's, uh, we, we loved that at that time and we didn't want to go nowhere at that time. And then we start talking about uh, contract. I didn't have agents that time. So that was me talking to Kevin, to chairman also. That was really like not a great time, to be honest, you know, like go to training, have a shower, go there, speak about contract, you know. So that was that was something I, I I would change at that time, you know, like because it it's not it's not part of the, the, the player job, you know, like being doing speaking about numbers, you know, how long is gonna be here, blah 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 blah. So that was the only thing that, that I would change was was that. But my 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 option was always to to stay to stay in Melbourne. I had offered from another club in Australia also, but uh, that was my 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 mentality to stay in Melbourne from 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 day one. Well, the deal got done, and you inked a new two year deal to stay at Melbourne Victory, and it's a good job you did because that third season for you was I dare say probably your best in Australia in terms of you know everything football related Melbourne Victory won the Premier's plate finished three points clear at the top and of course they would then go on to beat Sydney FC in the grand final 3-0 before we talk you know everything about that game what was that like for you that match Guy what was it like lining up in the tunnel coming out in that grand final how are you feeling the best thing was to play at Emmy Park, the grand final. <laughs> I think the stadium, the atmosphere at that time, to be honest, when we woke in to, to do the warm up, the stadium was full already. And mate, from, from that second, I had on my head said, we're going to win this. Whatever we need to do, we're going to win this, you know. And now I can say my mentality at that, that second was from every single player and they and they put in their jersey. So we have mentality really strong at the time. And not because I was that, but uh, 
he must be one of the greatest team in, in victory head like the way we used to play i think was we won the premiership but i think we could have won maybe five five rounds before but uh you know sometimes a little bit sloppy you know we didn't we didn't do that but uh we had a, a great team at that time so let's talk about the specifics of that game Guy. an assist for you early on and i can tell by the smile on your face now that you didn't know an awful lot about it but Bessart Barisha certainly didn't mind um what was it like playing with Bessart that season because you know as we know he's the a-league's greatest ever goal scorer a, a killer in front of goal what was Bessart like to play with look he's a guy on and off the field is different guy you know like if you talk to him off the field it's 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 one and when the game is on he he's actually on you know like yeah really focus don't try to to play with him before the game do something funny because he's not gonna like it you know and you need to understand that you know like some players they don't like to relax before the game and he is one of them you know he's really focused he concentrate he thinking about scoring that's his this his goal to to score uh, and off the field he's nice friend we we still we still talking a few times you know like to see what he's doing he played longer than me uh in australia but uh you know he he, he needs to 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 have his name on it because he scored so many goals for for the league well if best operation is one type of character Somebody else who's very different is somebody who I'm reliably informed you had a bit of a bromance with in training at times. That's Archie Thompson. What was Archie like to play with, and how did their styles compare? Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we used to to have like uh, some training sessions. Also, um, you have the joker, you know, like uh, you just play with the team with the ball. So, and Kevin used to play me and him most of the times and we used to have little really fun in like very serious with uh, in the training but uh, at the same times we really enjoy ourselves you know and archie is different than than Bessard Berisha, you know like uh, if you come to before the game play with him he's gonna play and and have fun you know and have a laugh with you but when the game is on you know, he's another game, another player. I don't need to talk too much. You know what he's done for the victory and for the soccer rules. So a different style, and you, we used to have a lot of fun in the in the in the training session. We used to do really well on and off the field. Also, you know, some nutmegs in the training to have fun, but always like trying to play forward. You know, like not not going backwards or something like that. To just to to do that always with some ob- objective in, in the training okay question time Guillermo Finkler you're the number 10 you got the ball at your feet it's the 90th minute you can play a through ball to a striker to get on the end of it who's going to win you the game are you picking Bessart Barisha or Archie Thompson oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> look uh uh, I, I choose Bessart, uh, and I'm gonna tell you why. One, he loves to score. He is the guy. If you put the ball on the line in the goal, he's gonna smash it into the line, into the into the net. And Archie, we used to play some 
some different style with Ange. And sometimes we put the ball through to him. He could score, but he used to, to assist Marco Rojas at that time. He's happy to assist also. And Berisha is not that happy to assist. I don't know if you, if you understand. You know, he, his mentality is to score. He's a striker and for him needs to be the back of the net. So that's why I, I choose him. You know, like uh, <laughs> I know he, if you put the ball through, he's going to do whatever it takes to, 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 to score. Well, score he did in that grand final, courtesy of a uh, a well-cushioned assist off your shoulder, shall we say, Guy. Um, so 3-0 was how the grand final finished. You did the double that season. How do you sum up that season for Melbourne Victory in, in terms of your football career, Guy? Is that probably the, the happiest you've been in terms of you know a footballer and, and what you've achieved in, in one season? Yeah, it was, was really great at that time, you know, like, um, and I always said, um, with that age, your body is still very good. Their mentality, you was really strong. I think from you know 20, 27, 29, 30, I think it's 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 the peak of any player in the world. So your body still respond whatever you do it, you know. And mentality, you learn a lot from 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 the game. So. I think it's a peak, and for me, it wasn't different. You know, it's a, it was a great season, but uh, at the same time, we had a great team. You know, like I think if you pick eleven players from that team, you're gonna you're gonna be hard to choose the best one at that time. You know, it was was really eleven, eleven. You know, I, I'm saying eleven because it's starting eleven, but we have a a good whole squad at that time. But uh, if you picked eleven. Start the grand final is gonna is gonna be hard to to pick one. Say, oh, I think he was the best or he was the best. I think we have a a team performance very good from the whole season, to be honest. So, Guy, if we bring it into your time at Melbourne Victory, um, you then move on and join Wellington Phoenix, and I guess you know, unfortunately, your time at that football club is remembered for one incident, and that was when you left the pitch. After you were substituted, you left the stadium after you were substituted and subsequently fell out with the manager. And from then on, it kind of went downhill with regards to your A-League career. So let's talk about that moment because, you know, what were you thinking at the time that you were substituted? And, and looking back on it now, how do, you, how do you process what happened that day and then what happened after that? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think we had a we had a, a not not great first half, but uh, we had two chances from from Wellington, and that was me. You know, I hit the post once. I had another shot, and we came back from from second half. My 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 relationship with the coach wasn't wasn't the best. Uh, I don't know why. You know, I was I was that guy from from Australia, the same one. But uh, eventually, you know, like different culture. You know, he didn't know about, much about the A League. It's always dangerous to bring someone there that don't know exactly how can you manage at twenty five players only, and you don't have option to bring twenty five players in one season. But uh, 
our relationship wasn't wasn't the best but uh for me it was was normal you know i my background is in brazil and <laughs> you get so many coaches like that so start the second half i would never ever change the way that i play you know like i played that style and that was that was it you know i used to like to not map not, not make people you know do some flicks that was that was Guy Finkler playing, you know. You cannot change my style. I'm 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 30, 30 something years old and you cannot change. You need to change that guy like he's he's his starting play. So I did one flick uh, at that time. Yeah, now I still remember everything, you know, like uh the guy the guy he 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 saw like I would do that, he got the ball, he passed to the fullback, the fullback play to the winger and the winger cross the ball and they score and before the game start again he took me off the game so on my understanding at that time and still is like it's give Finkler's fall that game that goal so let's go back like for a few seconds if you the guy that got the ball from me shoot and score okay fair enough but uh we had like four passes before somebody else score so it's not it's not my fault it's not his fault it's a team's fault you know so and that second i thought maybe not leaving the pitch and say look i'm not i'm not going now they just score. I I can help the team, and he goes, "Nah, that's your fault. We just consider a goal because you." And with my experience, I knew he's doing that on purpose. I should have done different, like not live in the stadium. But when I look at my number, I was walking towards the player to 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 how do you say is doing that it yeah like a shake hands a high five kind like of like shake hands with him because i respect the player at the time and i was walking towards the bench and he turned back on me this this the cameras wouldn't wouldn't show obviously so i looked at him because I said, look, you are the coach, you are the boss here. You need to tell me something. Say, whatever. You should have done that. You did wrong. I took you off because we consider go because of you. But instead of that, he looked at the stance. So there was something I was on the way, on the, the walking from, from the halfway to the sideline, it was like a movie in my head. But I said, look, okay, let's do this. Let's go through this. But then I woke off the beach and and he 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 done that. So I said, look, now it's I I'm I don't have ice in my, my veins, you know, I have blood. And I cannot I cannot stand off this. So then I said, look, I'm going to the change room. And look, what I did was wrong, but it wasn't just my fault, you know, like the club 
the club said. And so, yeah, the relationship wasn't, wasn't great from, from day one. I tried to do my best. He tried to do his best at the club. But to be honest, uh, I used to talk with some, some friends uh, in Australia and I knew wouldn't, he wouldn't work out him there because his mentality, it's European. No? He, he used to love to change maybe nine players at that team. And he couldn't do that. He needs to manage the players that he has in the squad. So that's something I think um, Wellington have some regrets to, to, to got him to, to Australia, to New Zealand. But, uh, you know, that's something in the past and we just, we move it on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, Guy. And I think a lot of people listening will, will probably appreciate your honesty in, in how you've spoken about that situation. But if we talk about where we're at, in the here and now, you're in Caixas do Sul in the south of Brazil. I'm here in, in Sydney. What does the future hold for Guy Finkler? Yeah, look, uh, we we start off like a, a, a angels in Brazil, like to represent players. You know, some young players, some professional players. I'm trying to to find myself off the field still. You know, I when I stop it, I got off football for maybe one and a half years. Like, didn't get involved in any, anything, anything. I tried to, to help me, help my friend here with, um, he exported a few things. He didn't have anyone to speak English for him. So I helped him on that also. And then came this pandemic times and then I couldn't go to, to help him. I had to stay home. And there was difficult times, you know, like uh, I'm not used to, to work as a home officer, you know. So my home office, my office was on the pitch. So I need to be, you know, to be around, to be doing something. So like I told you, you know, it's, uh, I have one little goal to, to go back to Australia one day, you know, for holidays or for good, we never know. But uh, it's, a, it's a country that I really love. So maybe some someday I would go back. Well, I'm sure the people of Melbourne Victory and the people of Melbourne themselves would love to have you back, Guy Finkler, but we have come to my final question. Those of people who listen to the podcast will know that this is the same question I ask all of my guests. So if you can go back and relive one moment from Guillermo Finkler's professional football career, which one do you pick and why? I think that goal against Western Sydney, I think, was, was the cherry on the cake for me. Uh, you know, coming back from injury and and helping the team and score score a free kick goal that I used to to practice a lot and I used to to find always a nice goal when you score a free kick. You know, because the focus of everyone in this it is in the ball and then you're still able to to manage it to to put the back on the net. So. It's a special moment, you know, like uh, it's going to be in my mind forever and I still have those boots. I'm going to I'm going to keep them for for my kids here to to show them the goal when they they don't want to fall asleep. I'm going to show them the goals and I can put them on the beds. <laughs> never mind your children, Guy. I'm sure there are many Melbourne Victory fans that will never tire of seeing that goal on YouTube. It just remains to be said. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join me on My Football Passport. It's been a real pleasure to sit and listen to you discuss your football career. Guillermo Finkler, thanks for your time. Thanks for, for having me also. It's, uh, 
always special to talk about football in Australia linked it's uh it's special to me and anytime please just contact me and uh we can do it again I have many stories to tell you <laughs> What a top man indeed. And thank you very much for listening as ever to My Football Passport. If you haven't subscribed, then don't forget to do so because the next episode will be a special here on My Football Passport because it will be previewing the grand final in the A-League men's competition with a man who knows a thing or two about winning them. As ever, thank you very much for listening. I'm James Dodd. I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.